think I'm on. I'm live. And I'm alive. I was thinking of what, what Brother Scott was saying at one point about there's a change. You know, it's nice to see the change in people when they get saved. <laughs> oh, if you'd only known me before. I was pretty rough. In fact, when I got saved, the people that I knew, my friends, would say, what happened to Jim? He's different now. And I was different. I mean, I went from here to here. Now, by the world standards, I was fine. But I wasn't. When I got saved, that switch got flipped, brother. And it hasn't been the same since. If Kathy had known me then, she would have avoided me like the plague, I'm here to tell you. Praise the Lord, she didn't know me back in those days. <laughs> but yeah, I was pretty rough. I, I spent my first... 15 years in police work unsaved, then the second 18 years saved, and what a difference. Still able to do my job, still knock people down every once in a while if I had to, but I did it in love. Uh, but, uh, you know, you look at people different when you get saved. Even the criminal element, you know, you see them as souls. You don't just see them as you know, ne'er-do-wells. We had other names, but, but uh, yeah, you see them as souls. You want to see them get saved. And uh, praise the Lord. Uh, when I was in investigations, mostly, I had the opportunity. A friend of mine and I, that's not the message tonight, by the way. God just put it in my head. A friend of mine and I, who was also born-again believer, we, we worked together, we worked uh, burglaries. And when you're working burglaries, you're also working everything else because they're stealing stuff to support everything else they're doing. <laughs> so, but we led, I don't know how many people we led to Christ and were able to follow up, you know. So it wasn't a uh, jailhouse uh, uh, conversion either because we had already... <laughs> got the confession out of them and booked them before we approached them. But, uh, yeah, it was good. It's good. It's good to be saved. Amen. Good to be saved. It's uh, good to find your joy in the Lord. And uh, what a great God we have. I uh, mentioned... Uh, the other day, someone that, maybe it was at the men's prayer breakfast, that it seems like when pastor is preaching, it's just to me. And I'm thinking, how did he know that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I think God has given him the message just for me, so. Praise the Lord for that. I think when you uh, get saved and you're trying to pay attention to what God has for you, the preaching and the messages 
really means something. And uh, when you read your Bible, it really means something. And if you want to get convicted in a good way, it's right here. That's the roadmap for life. I know pastors said that many, many times, words to that effect. I'm going to say this again like I usually do. It's humbling to be behind this pulpit. Brother Scott and uh, Randy, you mentioned doing specials. You know, it's intimidating being up here because pastor makes it look so smooth <laughs> and fluid. And it is for him. But for the rest of us, not so much. So I'm kind of third string tonight. I hope you'll bear with me. But, you know, I've got a message, and it kind of goes along with the theme that we're, we have right now for the most part. And um, it was impressed upon me to uh, speak on this tonight. And I hope that uh, you'll take it to heart. I think it's something we all need. I need it. And I think sometimes when messages are given to us and you can't get them out of your head, God is trying to give it to you, maybe more than anyone else. I don't know. But I want to want, talk to you tonight about encouragement. Encouragement when you need it the most when you need it the most. Let's turn to Philippians 4, okay? Philippians 4 tonight. <clears throat> you know, I see so many people discouraged, and we all do. And if you've got any years on you at all, you've either experienced it, and I'm sure all of us have at one time or another, or... Um, we, uh, we know other people that have gone through trying times. And uh, we need to be encouraged. Certainly we can encourage each other, and we should. But a lot of times we encourage each other by our own behavior and how we conduct ourselves in times of trouble. Uh, I've seen... Christians completely fall apart. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not pointing fingers. <laughs> it can happen to anyone. Uh, life deals us some uh, real shockers sometimes, some real blows. And sometimes we kind of swoop down before we can come back up again. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 13. These, are, of course, are very familiar to all of us. But it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, 
whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things <coughs> are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report. <coughs> if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, I know how to, to abound, Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you again for this good night. We thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. We thank you for not leaving us down here to flounder but you've given us your word. And God, you speak to us through your word, and we thank you for it, Lord. I just pray, God, that we'll be more <laughs> diligent in, in letting you speak to us and reading the Bible and uh, taking it in and applying it to our lives. Lord, I pray that we'll pay attention to the preaching because that is for us also. And God, I do thank you for an opportunity to be here tonight. I pray that you'll be with Pastor and please heal him in a mighty way. Lord, we thank you for all that you do in Christ's name. Amen. Let's take a look at also 2 Corinthians. This, this I think, might apply tonight. 2 Corinthians 12. And these are uh, scriptures. I've actually got this. I've got another Bible that's... Uh, Kathy got me a leather, custom leather case for it. It has uh, this verse on it, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, and we know what this is about, thorn in the flesh. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. And this is Christ. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly. Therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to glory in my infirmities. I don't know about you, but I'm working on it. I am. I'm working on it. And... Uh, uh, I, I haven't arrived, I probably never will, but uh, God has been so good to me uh, through infirmities, physical and otherwise. Verse 10 says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, that means when people are giving you a hard time. 
and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You ever feel persecuted? You ever feel like the whole world's coming in on you? You ever feel alone? You ever feel like no one really understands? that you're just out there, no one really cares. I think all of us may have felt that way at one time or another. But we don't have to. We don't have to feel that way. We do not. You know, many, many years ago, well, 1980s, let's see, where was I? I remember now. In part of the country in the 1980s, wolves were endangered of extinction. I don't know if you remember that or not. That was also back in the 70s and 80s, they were telling us, warning us about the coming ice age, by the way. It wasn't global warming. Do you remember that? Fear of the coming ice age. So now it's not global warming or anything. It's just climate change. Well, it changes every day. I digress. <laughs> So each live wolf caught, there was a bounty of $5,000. So if you were able to successfully trap a wolf unharmed, $5,000. That's a lot of money, especially back in those days. So there were two hunters, Sam and Jed, and they were kind of fortune hunters, you know. And they headed into the woods, and they, they didn't really know what they were doing, but they were going to try and catch some wolves. Well, they weren't having a whole lot of success. But one night, uh, they, uh, Sam woke up, and he looked out, and they were surrounded by at least 50 wolves. Eyes were glowing. Teeth were showing, and <laughs> Sam said, Jed, wake up. We're rich. <laughs> now, that's optimism there. That is a good attitude. Or what about the two men uh, that uh, were sent by a shoe manufacturer to a remote country to sell shoes? One of the men wrote back, I have terrible news. This is a God-forsaken country. Nobody here wears shoes. I'm coming home. The other man wrote, this is a wonderful country. I'm so grateful you sent me here. Nobody wears shoes. Send me 5,000 pair. Difference in attitude. Attitude can carry the day, sometimes, if we let it. Life circumstances can certainly be overwhelming, and that's when you need the encouragement the most. And it's how we look at things and how we view things that can change our attitude for the better. Are you a 
cup half full or half empty type person. I'm a half empty. My wife reminds me of that quite often. I said, well, it's my experience. <laughs> well, that might be, but I shouldn't be that way. Thankfully, it's also at that moment that you might realize that encouragement is actually available. The peace that pathes all understanding is one of the most precious forms of encouragement that God has ever given us. It's the solution to the pursuit of peace. It is the peace that comes when we avoid impure actions and is the satisfying answer to our <coughs> chase for contentment, for the ability to actually enjoy life. There's a lot of things that can get us distracted uh, from peace uh, with God and, uh, and destroy us and destroy uh, us being encouraged. When Paul first uh, visited uh, Philippi, it didn't take him long to find trouble. He and Silas were arrested. They were stripped in public and brutally beaten. And uh, when they regained consciousness, of course, they were in prison, in a jail, surrounded by other prisoners. And uh, their, their wounds were fresh. They were bleeding. They had open, open wounds. And... Uh, the dirt on the prison floor, I got to thinking about this, couldn't have been very comfortable because they were just thrown in there. Not very sanitary conditions. And I'm sure that was an added form of torment for them. Uh, their feet were in stocks, so they couldn't move, get up. And, of course, those were designed for discomfort and made for a day when Paul and Silas, Silas needed encouragement about as badly as anyone could. Their reaction to a really bad day, Acts 16.25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now that, you, do I need that? What is that? Thank you, brother. He's always taking care of me. He's like a little brother. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I probably do need it. Does my voice sound a little rough? <laughs> I love that guy. Excuse me. So the other prisoners heard him. So <clears throat> that's an example to us. Look, when something happens to you, something bad happens to you, people are watching what your reaction is going to be. They, they want to see how you're going to respond. Well, you're a Christian. I'm going I'm to see how you respond. This is what the lost world does. Trust me, I know. 
they're going to see how you react. I've seen Christians go into a rage. I mean, a rage to the point of swearing and everything else when things didn't go their way. I've also seen them go into deep states of depression when things didn't go their way. I knew a lady that her husband passed away. I mean, that's sad. I mean, you lose a spouse. Uh, I mean, that's, that I'm not taken away from that. And she started coming to our church and she just sat there. She didn't really, you know, people would talk to her and try to talk to her and that sort of thing, but she, she didn't really want to socialize too much. So she asked to meet with Pastor. So Pastor and his wife met with her in Pastor's office. And, and she says, well, I'm just unhappy. I'm very discouraged. And, and uh, I'm very, very unhappy. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of angry and discouraged, and on and on. And pastor asked her, well, what was wrong? Well, I've lost my husband. She said, oh, that's terrible. And uh, so <clears throat> come to find out that her husband had passed away 14 years before that. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to miss your husband after 14 years. But she had let it take over her entire life. She, she had no life. She had no life at all. And other people around her, her friends, her family, knew that she was a Christian. But they saw no joy. None whatsoever. Because she was not encouraged. She didn't allow herself to be encouraged. She couldn't encourage others. So she said, I need help, and she did. So pastor said, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bake three dozen cookies. She kind of went like this. And I want you to take them down to the nursing home down the street here, and I want you to deliver them. And she said, well, I don't see how that's going to help me. And he says, would you just please do it? And she reluctantly did it. But she did it. She actually did. She, she baked the three dozen cookies and took them down there. Well, she was a hit. And not just with the residents there, but the nursing staff and everyone. Oh, this is wonderful. And she started talking to people and engaging with people. Pretty soon she was baking four dozen cookies and taking them down. And you, you know where this is going. Her whole life turned around because she had purpose. And she was taking, she was forgetting self and putting it somewhere else. She was putting her energy somewhere else. Now, <clears throat> Paul and Silas are in prison. I kind of digressed again. Paul and Silas are in prison. And you know what happens next? There's a great earthquake. 
and just enough to rattle their chains loose, but the building didn't fall down. And only God can do that, right? And so they're praising God under terrible conditions. There's an earthquake. We know what happens next, right? What happens next? Doors all open and there's a jailer and he's in a panic, right? <laughs> but what happens to that jailer? Hmm? He got saved. You ever wonder that maybe your circumstances are going to be used for someone's salvation? You end up in the hospital and a doctor gets saved? A nurse? A janitor? You don't know. Someone might give testimony. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll have an opportunity. You know what? You, you all know I've been through cancer treatment twice. I had stage four throat and neck cancer went into my lip nodes in 2012. They said it was, see if I make it or not, right? So then, so I go through all that, and I was really sick during that time. And uh, so come out of it, recover. 2015, we just moved to Montana. Comes back again in my neck and the lymph nodes. All through here, lymph nodes. Not looking good. Stage four again. So anyway, they gave me a choice of either getting treatment or not getting treatment. If I didn't get treatment, I was going to die. And if I got treatment, I was probably going to die anyway because radiation was going to kill me. Because too much radiation, see? That's why I have all this, this trouble. So <laughs> I'm laughing about it because I wasn't, I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried the first time. I wasn't worried the second time because I had total peace about it. Total peace. Be, not because of me, but because I believed right here. And I had this. And I, I didn't worry about it. I didn't worry about it. So when we went back the second time, the doctors, they were just, they were walking around like this. They, they couldn't believe it. They were just, we're so sorry. We can't believe this happened and on and on. And, you know, Jim, we're, we, just, we just don't know what happened. We're so sorry and we feel so bad. And I said, what do you feel bad about? And uh, they said, well, the, your cancer came back. And I says, well, you don't have any control over that. Well, yeah, but, you know, we did the treatment, and I said, look, I said, if God wants to take me home, you can't save me. And if he wants me to live, you can't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> We found, Kathy and I found, we were, try, we were ministering to them, trying to make them feel better. Because we were fine. 
We, we really were. I'm not just saying that. We were totally fine. There's no problem. I, I, I told him, I witnessed to him, I said, I know where I'm going when I die because I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I told my surgeon, I said, he says, well, Jim, he says, uh, I don't know what to say. I said, I might get to heaven before you do. He says, well, you might. I said, are you going? You know, I had opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Praise the Lord for that. So you never know what your circumstance is going to be used for. But God will use it. I'm confident of that. So a man gets saved. He gets saved. <laughs> now there must be a connection between what happened to Paul in uh, Philippi on his first visit and when he wrote to the believers. There were seven, several years later, rejoice in the Lord always, Paul wrote. It could have been forgotten. <clears throat> uh, they could have forgotten the innocent uh, who could forget the innocent prisoner who sang that night? Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray, and God's peace will cover your heart. You know, I uh, uh, was, I, I, I'll never forget this night as long as I live. I was up on North Broadway in Everett, and it, for some reason, it happened to be slow for a couple hours, and it was unreal. But I'm sitting up there, and I, I've got a family issue that is just, playing on me. I mean, it's, it's bad. And I, I couldn't get over it. And it had been bothering me for a long time. I get choked up just thinking about it. But anyway, and I'm sitting there in a police car by myself in this gas station that was closed. And don't you tell anybody I said this, okay? Tears are running down my face. Now, here's a big, tough policeman, right? That's how bad this was. And I cried out to God. I was saved then. I'd gotten saved. I said, God, please take this from me because I cannot handle it anymore. I can't, can't handle it anymore. And I am not making this up. As bad as it was, it was lifted right then immediately, not a week later, not over time, immediately lifted. It was a miracle. It really was. All because of him. All because of him. I'm talking about faith. The preacher was talking about faith and doing Believing, trusting, it was all God. <clears throat> and from that time on, things just got better and better. Or as they say in Victor, gooder and gooder. As time goes along. If anxiety rules your day, you can turn the table on your stress. Sing a praise to, to God. Sing a song. You know, I used to have a beautiful voice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I had a voice anyway. And uh, I used to be able to sing some. <clears throat> Not a special. 
But I used to be able to sing in a choir, that sort of thing. Uh, but I still sing when I'm alone. Because my voice is kind of all over the map now. Like I said, the Andy Divine voice. But sing praises to God. You know, it's hard to bring ourselves. It's because we want to stay in that state. We're selfish. We want to hang on to it. We want to stay in that state of depression because we deserve to be there. And we want to enjoy our time there. And so we have a, have a tendency to want to do that. Give it over to the Lord because you really don't want to be there. It's destroying you. It's destroying your testimony. It's destroying your family. It's destroying your friends around you. It's destroying your relationships, including your relationship with the Lord because you're staying away from this book if you're doing that. This is a true story, by the way. <clears throat> there was a uh, Bible conference, uh, and I heard the story. Uh, I'm not a Chuck Swindoll guy, but he, he was telling the story. This is many years ago. And there was a conference, and uh, uh, the title was Look Unto Jesus. And the emphasis of the speaker was no matter what, keep your eyes on Christ. Focus fully on him. Don't let your circumstances get you derailed. In all things, rejoice. Now, the conference was over, and this couple had to cross several states to get home. And During their trip home, one of, one of the evenings, uh, a car came at them head on, and the older couple, and swerved off, went down into a ravine. And car didn't flip or anything. They kind of were partially under this little bridge. And, of course, people are running, you know, on the bridge and looking down. And so on. the couple had climbed out, gotten on top of the car, and they're holding each other and singing praises to the Lord. Singing and, and people are watching this, and they're just praising the Lord, praising the Lord that they're okay, they're okay. And all these people are gathering around. I guess it was a policeman, according to the story, took his hat off and did this. You know, put his hat over his heart while they were singing praise. He didn't know what else to do. So anyway, they, they kind of came to the uh, end of their uh, doxology, you might call it. And, and uh, the uh, uh, man looked up and he saw all these people. And he says, you're probably wondering why I called this meeting. <laughs> you know, and so he said, we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, and we're giving all the praise and the glory to God. That's a true story. Gave their testimony. Now, one of the ways, or surest ways, for a Christian to lose is peace uh, is to intentionally choose a path of immorality. Give in to temptation, and he'll finally only has two options, sin that violates God's word or peace of God that follow an obedient lifestyle. I knew a young man, and uh, 
I, uh, uh, he, he came forward for prayer, uh, and I took him back into the prayer room. T turns out he, he was not saved. Uh, he gave a profession of faith. I don't know whether he got saved or not. I don't have any idea, but I hope he did. But he was struggling. I found out later he was just struggling with immorality, and I don't know the details. I didn't ask for him, didn't want him. But I was probably in my late 40s then, so it's been a, it's 10 years ago. Um, uh, <clears throat> anyway, he was, uh, I think, about 30. And uh, he was struggling with this. And so the next Sunday, he came forward to get saved again. So I knew he was struggling. So I took him back to the prayer room. I said, look, I said, you don't need to get saved every Sunday. You need to get in the word. I told him, this is what I told him, what I'm telling you tonight. And I said, you, whoever you're with, you need to not be with them anymore. Whatever guys you're hanging around or gals you're hanging around or whatever crowd you're hanging around, I said, you need to be in service every time the doors are open. You need to hang around, and I pointed to a couple of people in the church, you need to hang around that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. That's who you need to be with. But he didn't listen. So pretty soon he was calling me on the phone. And a couple of times he called me and had been drinking. And uh, he was struggling. And I told him, I said, look, I said, if you don't do what the Bible says, you're going to struggle the rest of your life. I don't know what ever happened to him because I never saw him again. But you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that person. Philippians, you don't need to turn there. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brethren, <clears throat> whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, of course, I've repeated that. But we need to dwell on those things. Think on those things. Concentrate on those things. And meditate on those things. When we focus on the things of God, it only makes sense that the peace of God would follow. And when we choose the opposite <coughs> focus of our thought life, we shouldn't be surprised that unpeaceful results come. Don't play around with unhealthy thoughts. Whatever they are, don't entertain them. As soon as you start having that issue, just sit down, open it up, and start going through it. We need to learn contentment in every situation. Uh, contentment isn't automatic, despite the fact that the pursuit of happiness is right in the top of the Declaration of Independence. I sometimes wonder if the Founding Fathers might not have knew that we would frantically be looking for contentment, pursuing happiness in all the days of our American lives. 
so many of us seem to be convinced that the next thing we buy, the next uh, vacation we take, uh, the next job we have, the next hobby we tackle is going to bring us happiness. Nothing can be further from the truth. I've known rich people. Uh, in my career, I've known a lot of very rich people. And I've also known very rich people that have had miserable lives, unsaved people. Divorce scandal, suicide, more than one. And these were people that looked like they had everything. They spent their entire lives doing this. God didn't need to supply their needs. They, they did it themselves. There was a boy that spent uh, uh, countless hours chasing butterflies and although he spent a lot of hours attempting to harvest uh, his quarry, uh, uh, he didn't get any of them. And decades later, it seemed that he was surrounded by butterflies. They would land on his hoe when he was out in the garden. And uh, uh, when he was resting from his work, uh, they would land on his golf balls when he was about ready to hit them. Now, that'd be the safest place for a butterfly to be if I was golfing would be on the golf ball. They even landed on him in some of his quieter moments. But perhaps contentment and happiness are like butterflies. The more you chase them, the harder it is to catch up with them. Come to think of it, chasing butterflies is kind of a worthless occupation anyway. You can't really eat the things or anything like that, so I don't know what good they are, but... Uh, just put down the butterfly nets. Uh, once you uh, stop and bu <coughs> uh, stop and busy yourself with the things that have great value, like relationship with your family, your friend, and God, contentment and happiness are going to sneak up on you from behind and land right here, just like those butterflies. If you want encouragement when you need it the most, <clears throat> Paul put it, <clears throat> put it off through his uh, persevering, <clears throat> pulled it off, I should say, through his persevering in his lifelong walk with God. And we need to persevere. That means to be steadfast, to continue. I see so many Christians that are on again, off again, on again, off again, on again, off again, and their whole life is on and off and on and off and on and off. And when it's like that, it, it's like this. It's not like this. Because every time they start up, they drop down. And they start up, and they drop down. Does that make sense? So you need to persevere. That is a good term. Philippians 4, 1 through 13, it says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, 
for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Whatever state you're in, you need to be content. You need to be content. Contentment is a direct result of our walk with Christ. Paul said, I am able to do all things through him. That was Paul's secret to contentment in every situation. He cultivated a lifelong Christ-following relationship. And if you can pull this off with intentional rejoicing and intentional purity and an intentional concentration on contentment, something wonderful will happen in your life. God's peace, which is like no other peace, will be yours. Remember, Jesus once said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, give unto you, not as the world giveth, Give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The same kind of peace Paul gives here in a great word of encouragement, it's the same kind. It's the peace that pathes all understanding, takes away anxiety, guards against impurity, and blesses us with contentment. Paul painted a picture of, uh, that was very unusual for the Philippians, and I don't think they'll ever forget it. You know, um, on the coastline of Greece, Philippi, it wasn't far from the coastline, they, they had a, uh, a lot of retired Roman soldiers lived in that area. <clears throat> and because they were soldiers, and they wanted to have peace, if you will, and so they would put out a sentry every night and they would patrol that whole area, not just against possible invaders, but burglars or, you know, thieves and that sort of thing, and they would, so they could sleep comfortably and rest comfortably. So they would have this, this sentry called a uh, philoso, I think is uh, the word for it. And they would be on guard. And when Paul talked about the peace of God, the kind of peace that was beyond human understanding, he capitalized on that Im Im imagery, I think, to communicate the message and the peace of God, Paul wrote in 4-7, will guard like that sentry will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. The peace of God will be like a sentry marching around us and protecting us and giving us that peace. Now, uh, I, I'm sure that none of you are watching uh, The Tonight Show and those kind of shows. And I, I don't recommend that you do, but back when I was a, really young, there was a guy by the name of Jack Parr and he uh, had the Tonight Show. This is before Johnny Carson and all these other people. And uh, it was, I don't know if it was a family-friendly show back then or not, but probably more so that way. 
But anyway, that's not the story. The story was they had a pianist on there. And this guy's name was uh, Jose Millis. And he was a phenomenal piano player. And they'd have this routine where Jack Parr would come up every once in a while and, and he would just bang on the, just, he didn't know how to play the piano. So he'd just do all this stuff. Just hit all these random keys. And Jose would take that and make a beautiful tune out of it, including, he included that in the tune, just off impromptu. And he did it night after night after night after night. Now, there's a great analogy here, I think, uh, what God can do with our lives with sin and pride and greed and mistakes, we're sure to have struck some discord. Some bad notes. But God has the ability to reach into our lives when we give him the chance and make beautiful music out of our discord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be here tonight, Lord. And I just pray, God, that uh, uh, maybe there's someone here tonight that is struggling in some fashion. And God, I just pray, uh, Lord, that uh, uh, you'll be with them, that uh, you'll uh, grant them peace and joy and comfort in their state of discomfort, Lord. And God, I just... Uh, Pray during this invitation time if there's someone like that. Uh, you know, they can certainly pray right where they're at. Lord, if they have any questions or they want to talk, uh, that they would seek someone out and, uh, and uh, get some counsel. And Lord, certainly if there's someone here tonight that is not saved, Lord, I just pray, uh, God, that uh, that will occur because that's where peace all starts is right there with salvation. And Lord, we do thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for all that you do. In Christ's name, amen.